Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, X-Zone Radio TV. For more information on the X-Zone Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.xzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome to the Connecting with Coincidence radio show with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, bringing together the world's synchronicity experts to help you use meaningful coincidences to develop spiritually, psychologically, and practically. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence into your web browser to find the book, website, Psychology Today blog, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. And now, here is the host of the Connecting with Coincidence radio show, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Uh, thank you, Rob. Thank you. And welcome to CC with BB. Yes, I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. And I'm um, going to talk about Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss wrote a story about a tree that was toppled by corporate greed. The Lorax, who speaks for the trees, emerges from the stump of the truffle tree and voices his disapproval both of the sacrifice of the tree and the fneed, which is made from the tree. I am a descendant of the Lorax. I speak for trees. In the forest near Crozet, Virginia, 
I have developed a relationship with two trees whom I call the king and the queen. They inspired the lyrics of a song I wrote called Laura Lee. The king and queen wanted me to bring Laura Lee to visit them because she could appreciate their visual beauty better than I could. Meanwhile, they asked me to represent them to people and specifically to raise money to stop the Atlantic Coast Pipeline going through the forests of Virginia and West Virginia. The power company Dominion Power is cutting down huge numbers of trees. What for a tax break worth millions of dollars for natural gas to be exported to other countries, not for us Virginians. Two weeks ago, I produced and acted in a show called Dr. Coincidence's Song and Dance Show. Proceeds went to stop the pipeline protest. I am the Lorax. I speak for trees. Our guest today is Professor Isanda Erdeletz, who is professor and director of the School of Library and Information Science at Simmons University in Boston. She was also a faculty member at the University of Osijek, University of Texas at Austin, and the University of Missouri, Columbia. Dr. Erdeletz is a former Fulbright scholar. Her research interests include human information behavior, human-computer interaction, and usability evaluation in online environments. She has been internationally recognized for her pioneering research in the area of information encountering, encountering information. Her research has received funding from both corporate and government sources, including Dell, SBC Communication, Te Texas State Government, and the National Science Foundation. Dr. Erdelitz is an active member of the Association for Information Science and Technology. In 2015, she received the Outstanding Contribution to Information Behavior Research Award. Welcome to the show, Sanda. Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> I'm going to start off with uh, implications I had for some of my research, um, asking people about how they uh, experience coincidences, how they encounter coincidences. And it appears to me from some of the um, surveys that I've done is that there's an increasing number of encounters between human minds and the internet, uh, various parts of the information in the internet, but somebody thinks something and then without, without, with just randomly running around, whatever random means, in the internet, they run across information that matches what they're thinking about. And this isn't what uh, computerized algorithms from companies trying to sell things based on people's inf interest in, uh, as demonstrated uh, when, they, when they search on Google uh, or something. But it's something else where they think it and it happens. So my question for you is, are we becoming increasingly nodes in our vast internet create connectivity? Uh, that's a nice way of putting it. I do think that not only that computers are getting more and more connected, but that we are getting more connected uh, with computers and we are more getting connected with each other. And uh, definitely coincidences uh, play uh, a big role in it. Uh, my explanation of why this is happening so much uh, more lately than maybe historically 
is because of the richness of the information environment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think uh, there is definitely this concept of fire hose going on that is everywhere around us. So yeah. we, don't, we don't have to go to the fire hose anymore. Basically, we are in the middle of the fire hose with all that information that the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a probability thing. There's more information out there. It's like people talking about uh, seeing numbers as significant. There's a lot of numbers around there that we can find to be significant. But there's still the, there's still like a story I had of like um, working on my first book on coincidences and uh, needing to have some kind of a basic science approach to how, how the brain might do what I call human GPS, which I think your glasses story illustrates. So I, I, I was stuck and I went to the front page of the New York Times and there was an article about the hippocampus and and how rats find their find their way around in three-dimensional space. It fit what I was part of what I was looking for. And that's more what I'm talking about. Yeah, I believe that uh, even though, you know, I don't have expertise as you do in the way how the brain works, this is definitely outside of my scope of research, but looking from behavioral perspective, yes. Yes. which is what I did research, uh, it must be that we are definitely uh, noticing and uh, remembering more than we are aware that uh -huh. we can recall. Uh -huh. And uh, the story of my coincidence that I shared with you in preparation for this uh, interview was that uh, during the day when I, you know, tried to do so many things, visiting uh, Yellowstone, I, there were so many opportunities where I could have lost my uh, eyeglasses, but somehow at the end when I found them, uh, just by going to that very specific place, it seemed like my mind remembered where I lost them, but I couldn't definitely uh, recall. Uh, so I had to follow what seemed to be intuitive feeling where I need to go in order to have only one try to find them, and I did. I, I, you lost, and just to back up a bit, you, you and your son were visiting Yellowstone, yes. and then you discovered that your glasses were missing, um, and you needed to do them so you could drive back home. But your son was the one that suggested you drive back to that place. Yeah, he was the one. I, I was actually reluctant. I kind of... Uh, uh, I was so disappointed with myself and uh, thinking how we're going to get back hundreds of miles driving without my glasses that I was uh, desperate. But he was the one who said, let's go specifically there. Uh, and it was a place where, you know, along the river where a number of people were fishing and I walked everywhere. So I could have lost them in any place uh, but luckily when we came back to the parking lot there was only one couple leaving uh, of fishermen and they basically presented me my glasses when I asked when they found them you can just imagine my reaction I was uh, elated I kissed and hugged both of them <laughs> yeah I can imagine uh, I, I'm, these details are important because at first you said you might have remembered where you lost them, but it was your son who suggested you go back there. So somehow he may have remembered, but that's a harder thing to think about that he somehow noticed without noticing, but maybe he did, that you dropped your glasses there. 
So you, that's what you're going for here first, is that your son somehow remembered without knowing it. That's correct, yeah. Uh, what about the timing of going to the parking lot? Um, how did that, how do, you, how do you explain that? Because the, there was one couple leaving, you had looked all around, and you encountered them uh, right at, at the last moment when you couldn't have, uh, if they would have been gone, it wouldn't have happened. The timing was impeccable. The, the lo returning to location out of more than a dozen places where we were was already strange. Yes. But uh, timing where, you know, if we came like literally 15 seconds later, they would have been gone. Yes. So that was another element of coincidence that I just have hard time explaining at, at all. And and the, would you have run into them? Uh, say you'd gotten there earlier. I'm not, how did how did I'm trying to see is how did you happen to encounter these people? Uh, it, it, I mean, they were the last ones leaving. Did you ask them about your glasses? Uh, we just arrived, and they were the only oh, ones. You you had just arrived. Okay. We just arrived to the parking lot. They were the only ones there, literally entering in the car. And I thought, well, I guess I can ask them. And I came almost with a question, for sure you didn't find a pair of glasses. And the, 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 the guy just you know, put a hand in his front pocket and said, I'm looking for these. And I just... <laughs> You know, I was there, my eyes went, I couldn't believe it. He said, yeah, these are my glasses. And these are, these were prescription glasses, you know, minus four in each of the eyes. So, you know, sure. without them, I'm pretty much blind for any kind of serious interaction. Yeah, there was a great need. And I put need as a, a major driver for coincidences taking place. Need with usually coupled with high emotion and transition, that is moving from place to place and usually physically, but it can be emo emotionally, also increases the likelihood of coincidences. But those are just probability descriptions. Uh, you have no explanation for this, but this is the sort of thing that I am trying to at least raise as questions about how they work because um, there's something about this and the way they work we come to the end of this segment and you're you are listening to connecting with coincidence with your host dr bernie Beitman, md on the exxon broadcast network our guest is sanda erdlitz It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. 
So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to CC with BB. I'm your host, Dr. Bernard Batman, MD, and we're talking to Sanda Erdelitz. And Sanda, I, one of the prom, prom, prominent aspects of your research is information encountering. Could you tell us some background and just what that is and what you're finding? Yes, uh, information encountering um, experiences of uh, serendipity in the context of what we call in my field uh, information behavior. And uh, they deal with uh, how people find unexpectedly through these serendipitous encounters information when they interact with uh, other people or with information systems. And I came across uh, this topic rather accidentally, which is a story in itself that, you know, maybe sometime we'll have more time to talk about. But I was looking for a dissertation topic in the mid-90s as a doctoral student at Syracuse University. And um, I interviewed a number of uh, small business people hoping to see how they go about finding information so that I can study them in my research. And I basically saw that uh, none of them were following what were at that point known models of information behavior. And uh, many of them were saying, information finds me. You know, I bump into it. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, I don't need to go searching for it. And from uh, this uh, experience, uh, this insight, I started becoming uh, more interested in um, this concept of serendipity information behavior. Uh-huh. So, and, yeah. And there are some people who are super encounterers, people who can find information in all kinds of ways. They, they, they almost like they lust after new ideas and somehow they find it. And unlike your businessmen, maybe they, they know they're going out looking for it. They have some sense that they can find it. They believe in their capacity to find information. Could you just tell us about these super encounterers and why they are more likely to experience coincidences? Uh, yes. So uh, part of my follow-up research was to, for my dissertation, was to interview a number of people about their uh, information encountering experiences, and um, I, I was really pleasantly surprised that uh, some number of people uh, would uh, say, "Well, this happens to me all the time," and I'm surprised that this is something that you are 
interested in. You know, this is my little secret. And they basically uh, count on having these experiences and they incorporate these experiences in what we would call their regular information behavior. So while many other people once here and there would have this serendipitous experience of finding information uh, they were not looking for, uh, super encounters basically count on having these experiences. They don't go to search for them, but they come to them so regularly that they very often don't need to search for information actively because they know they will eventually encounter it at the time when they need it. So this is their unique set of uh, characteristics. Could you give us some examples of uh, what an information encounter can do? Um, for example, you would have, an, uh, let's say a student would have a paper to write and uh, instead of uh, uh, spending energy on uh, preparing for that paper and collecting information and doing library search, uh, they may be in a position of um, doing work on another paper on a completely unrelated topic. And then during work for that other paper, information would uh, suddenly appear that is relevant to that first paper. And uh, so in that way, they can basically accomplish task of uh, finishing that first paper without actually having to actively search for that information. One, and, of, the, one of the definitions of serendipity is just what you described. One of them, I, I see several definitions, but one of them is looking in a different place and finding what you needed someplace else. That's correct. And that's why uh, we study uh, serendipity in the context specifically of uh, searching uh, or experiencing information behavior, because serendipity is much broader concept. It doesn't necessarily relate only to the ways how we go about finding information. It can be serendipity uh, more in the terms of coincidences where no uh, active uh, or even passive engagement in, with information is involved. Could, why, don't you, why don't you give us some idea about what you mean by serendipity and how that differs from coincidences and how it's different from coincidences? Well, <clears throat> I uh, see in my mind the coincidences are a, a broader concept and then serendipity is nested within that concept and then information encountering uh, overlaps and is narrower concepts uh, than serendipity. Well, uh, thank you. I, th I really thank you for that um, because uh, I'm going, to, I think I'm going to be going to the first meeting of the Serendipity Society in London in early September. Are you going to that? Unfortunately, I'll be at the International Federation of Library Association conference a week before, and I couldn't stay for another week, but I wish I could be there. Maybe I'll have a virtual poster or something to be present. A virtual poster. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, I, because what I, wanted, what I want to talk about and plan to talk about is just what you said, is that Coincidences is an overall term that has within it other terms, and the, seven, the two main terms under the term coincidence are serendipity and synchronicity. 
and they all these overlap as we're always, as we're suggesting, but they they are different. And how how do how in your mind does the seren is the serendipity? What is what is your definition of serendipity? As it's it's hard to make uh, the yes. <laughs> right on the spot, but one critical uh -huh. element of of difference in my mind is that people associate uh, happy coincidences with serendipity. So there has to be that element of something good, something exciting, something positive happened. Um, in my mind, uh, coincidences uh, would not need to be only happy coincidences. There could be coincidences that uh, put people in a very dangerous situations, uh, be, uh, situations that don't bring this positive sense. So that's one of the critical differences uh, in my mind between coincidences and, and serendipity. That's great. I mean, I'm just writing um, a second book on coincidences and finished uh, the chapter on problematic coincidences because they need to be brought out and clarified because all coincidences are not great and are not all happy. But serendipity, I haven't seen this, although there are books calling serendipity happy accidents. Uh, happy accidents is almost a... Uh, a, a similar term for serendipity, but you're making that much clearer. So what else would you say about serendipity versus coincidence? Um, I, the first thing was difference. Uh, what is similar is really the uh, timing of events and the capacity of someone to notice uh, and be at the right spot at the right time. Um, uh, so my research uh, in information encountering pays a lot of attention to the capacity to notice something that is unique, something that is different, something that sticks out. And not all people for this reason or the other uh, have this capacity to realize when uh, serendipity happens or they don't have the same capacity to perceive information encountering. I'll put it in different terms. I think um, it, to, to see what stands out it can be also put in terms of probability to be able to notice low probability events. Uh, it's uh, well, I, I, I really connected more to the na notion of perception. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yes, the something that sticks out, something that is different, there needs to be a connection in one's mind. Uh, so we are talking here about their having a prepared mind and understanding this very low probability. So you have uh, quite a few things that need to line up. So they need to coincide, to use the same term, in order for coincidence, uh, serendipity, or information encountering uh, to take place. There has to, there has to be a coincidence between what's already in the prepared mind and what's out there. Yes. And, and then some people are more susceptible to uh, notice and to be in, in these positions. And I think uh, that uh, one of the reasons this works so well for super encounters 
is that they have so many of these experiences um, regularly that they uh, basically get to the stage on uh, positive reinforcement. The more wow. you have them, the more you experience them. Now that's so that's so true. You you see more of them, and you begin to expect that there are going to be more happening. Well, we're coming to the end of this segment, and and that attitude of it's going to happen is, is so important in coincidences in general. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, and our guest is Sanda Erdlitz. How would your life change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money? Do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster? Then go to findhiddenmoney.com and get the Goal For It online course. The course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success. Go to findhiddenmoney.com. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hyde can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. Bum, 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 bum. Ah, you're listening. I am. Yeah, I, this is me. I'm Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. This is Connecting with Coincidence. Uh, we're talking with Sandra Erdlitz, and she's a researcher, a very good researcher in information encountering. We encounter information all the time uh, in various forms. And what you, what you seem to be studying is uh, what librarians might study is the information that comes through libraries in its now various forms. How can some of what you're finding in your research be applied to people walking around in the, in the, real, in the world outside the library? Well, first of all, they need to be aware that the information encountering is a very legitimate way of finding information. 
Uh, one thing that I discovered talking with uh, my super encounters was that many of them seem to be somehow ashamed uh, of finding information that way. They felt lucky, but they would not share openly with others that they used this method of finding information. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Oh, I have this big secret. I get lucky in finding information. That that's uh, that's interesting. Is it they? How come they? How come you think they're ashamed of that? Because through our educational process, we uh, learn that uh, following specific steps in doing research, oh, oh, oh. we we need to do these steps in order to find information, and it's. Uh, embedded in many of the models of information literacy that you first define your problem you then identify <laughs> sources where you will so you know yeah yeah it's, i'm laughing because uh, it that fits so well with um, other aspects of coincidence studies that that if you break out of the basic habits of ordinary reality then you're more likely to run into coincidental stuff uh, yes, well, I'm not saying that you should uh, now completely abandon uh, <laughs> specific searching for information. Uh, what I'm saying is that, uh, in speaking in practical terms, you need to accept that information encountering is as good as a way of finding information as a focus search. That's number one. And number two is the more you get to be open to these experiences, uh, more likely that they would become uh, regular and rewarding for you, which means that you will become more and more successful. So it's kind of using both worlds. When you need to search for something focused, being focused, you can do that, but you know, keep an op open mind for information encountering. Now, I, I, I get the impression you're mostly talking about uh, academic information encountering. Or not? Not necessarily. Um, I'm talking about academic because there are many good examples in it. Uh, but uh, information encountering takes place in everyday activities. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, many of my uh, respondents talked about uh, finding information about uh, future travel, um, finding information that maybe their supervisor asked them to find at work, and then they uh, came across it completely accidentally. One respondent uh, had to do uh, competitive research for a company uh, that uh, was doing something on the market, uh, and it was a task that her boss uh, requested and she found that information while she was doing laundry uh, in her shared laundry room in her apartment complex. <laughs> now, you can imagine that I asked her, so did you tell your boss where this, this information came from? And she said, no way. You know, he probably thinks that I did something very specific, some focused search. So, yeah, these experiences happen in, in any type of context. Well, I think these stories are important to, 
to, to hear. And I, I like this laundry room one very much because it tells our listeners that they can they can look any place or they can be any place and what they might need will appear. And the, the breaking out of the regular reality pattern doesn't mean always be out of it. As you're implying, there are two different ways of getting information. And, and pharmacological research is is filled with instances where people did something weird and came up with something very, very useful. It's stepping outside the the regular way as well as having the regular way that is so helpful to people. Can you can you give us some other examples? You mentioned the small business people that ran across information uh, that was helpful to them. Yes, so uh, ideas for products, uh, implications for various types of uh, um, services that they provide, uh, looking at uh, an example in a completely unrelated field and saying, wow, you know, I can do this with my, uh, with my business, something very similar. So these are some of the examples that come from the from the business sector, but I wanted to uh, add that not all of it is uh, always uh, uh, positive. Even though serendipity has the the positive connotation, yeah. um, information encountering uh, when I speak with people. Uh, with my respondents, what are some of the problems with it? It is that it sometimes takes you away from what was what you were supposed to be doing. So one of the practical advices to your uh, audience might be also knowing how to come back from that, the, this experience to whatever the initial task was so that you feel productive in area that you need to be productive at a specific time. Come back to the more regular way of doing yes. things. Here, here's an example of information encountering, and I wonder how you think about it. Uh, a female Uber driver um, uh, picks up um, a man, um, uh, picks up, oh, excuse me, picks up a, a woman and um, takes her to... Uh, an apartment building that uh, she looks very familiar. And in fact, it's where her boyfriend um, uh, lives. Um, and she thought her boyfriend was out of town. Um, but no, he came out and got this other woman's uh, suitcase oh. to bring her back in to his apartment. So she that's did the example. <laughs> that's information encountering to me. Uh, well, yes, in, information encountering in the context of uh, social relations. I, yes. I agree. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you, you don't study that particularly because that wasn't a particular, that was serendipity of a negative kind. So it really wouldn't call it serendipity. But how, how do you think about inform, finding information in social contexts like that? Uh, yes, in, uh, I don't specifically focus on study of um, using, for example, social media and person-to-person contacts uh, as a source of information encountering, but th this is a good example where one can observe that this is what happened. Uh, what I typically study is interaction between uh, people and information systems, yeah. meaning systems that somebody organized to present information. So this could be uh, databases, uh, newspapers, 
this could be uh, journal articles that somebody is reading uh, in academic or non-academic context. Um, one of the areas that I uh, research a lot lately is uh, uh, serendipity in scientific discovery. And yes, how, yes. So th this is a big area that big, could have big, a, yeah. a lot of impact yeah. on uh, discoveries of uh, uh, solutions for various diseases, such as Alzheimer's, for example, um, and the disease. Because uh, uh, what my colleagues and I were looking at is uh, uh, to what extent the researchers share information about the, their serendipitous finds in published uh, literature. And the idea is that we might be able to mine through these published uh, uh, reports of serendipity and find some unexpected connections that could uh, bring to uh, discoveries of new drugs or new solutions to diseases that are difficult to resolve. Oh, so you're saying that one researcher's uh, discovery of some strange idea might be able, if he tells people about it, might be applicable in somebody else's area of research. That's right. And, and what we are trying to find are patterns between uh, reports of serendipity in, in various fields and to see uh, whether there are some connections that normally wouldn't be perceived because each event of serendipity uh, is seen as an isolated uh, yeah, event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I've tried to be able to talk here at the University of Virginia um, to a medical group about uh, serendipity in psychopharma in pharmacology, where there's so much of it that you're. I think you were just mentioning indirectly that a new blood, an old blood pressure pill might be useful in Alzheimer's disease. This kind of cross helping a different drug, one drug for something else. But there's still such a resistance in medicine to be able to recognize that so much of their discoveries come through serendipity, but they don't want to admit that to themselves. Well, uh, I agree fully with what you said. It, it counts partially from how scientific research needs to be conducted and how it's recognized and how it's rewarded through yeah, uh, yeah. agencies that provide funding. You know, you need to pr provide a very strict protocol, a research protocol for collecting data. And uh, I assume that there are some rules that what you find accidentally, unless you knew that you were searching for it. We, we've come to the end of this segment. Very good. You're listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Bobman, MD, and we're talking serendipity with Sanda Erdeletz. Foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. 
I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. They're here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Christopher Fulton is a survivor of the National Security State. All he wanted to do was preserve history when he acquired a Cartier watch from the estate of President Kennedy's personal secretary. But that simple act set off a terrible chain reaction. He was pursued by the U.S. Justice Department and the FBI, thrust into the middle of the U.S. government's Assassination Records Review Board, even monitored and pursued by the Russian government. All because that Cartier watch was the missing link of evidence, a timepiece worn by JFK that fateful day in Dallas, a link resulting in Christopher being incarcerated and attacked for nine years because he opened a hidden chapter in history. The intriguing journey outlined fully in Christopher Fulton's memoir, The Inheritance, is available now through trinday.com or amazon.com. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination by Christopher and Michelle Fulton is a must-read, an incredible tale of how easily our own government can overrule justice. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination. Boom, 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 boom. Welcome back to CC with BB. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. We're talking with Sandra Erdlitz, and one of the points we are getting to is the sharp boundary drawn between serendipitous information finding and the legitimate quotes, legitimate way of doing it through stepwise protocols. And this is fundamental also to coincidences, because once you get into the more, let's say, chaotic areas where it's not everything's not so defined, new stuff comes in. And this is true of people going through major life traumas, difficulties, both po- and positive ones. Coincidences are more likely to happen in, uh, in, in unstable circumstances. I wonder how you how you think about how that happens. What is it about what looks like a random thing? It, 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 I don't think it is, where people are out there in unstructured searches and find what they're looking for, like the woman in the laundry room. Uh, it seems to me, going back to what we discussed at the beginning of our conversation, is that we have so many uh, needs and tasks in our mind on the back burner yeah, um, and we carry them with us all all the time, and those among us who are more perceptive 
uh, would then make these connections uh, between the number of things that we have at, at any point of time when uh, these uh, cues appear in our environment. So under conditions of, of stress, uh, I, I think that this mechanism of noticing and connecting somehow uh, ends up uh, being more focused, uh, works more readily for us, which then allows more for these coincidences to take place. Yeah, I think you're drawing a picture from here. here. Uh, under stress, we may be more open to what we have in our minds that needs to be um, addressed by the external environment we're more alert i think that's even the right word for it so that in that alertness we can have more parts of our memory uh, of what we need um, accessible to us so we can then match that with something that we see in our environment i i agree because a lot of our everyday regular information behavior is learned either through educational system or through practices. And uh, it somehow sits on the top of our, uh, what might be called naturalistic uh, behavior that could count, that would use coincidences, serendipity, information encountering as a mechanism. Um, and if we add to this the issue that, as I explained before, people uh, look down on uh, uh, information encountering as a method, because how can it be a method when you can predict it, then uh, it's likely that you would not call it up uh, under regular condition unless you are a super encounterer and have many of these positive experiences and you already know that they work for you. Tell us more about the mind of the super encounterer. You started to do that just now. Well, I. I think uh, basically this positive reinforcement uh, brings the notion to the mind of super encounter. I can count on these experiences. I can relax. I, I could easily uh, pay attention to things that are outside of my initial uh, focus. And, and that's why these experiences take place. Um, I, I don't know whether they keep uh, these multiple channels more readily open. Um, you know, this is something that would be really nice to study, for example, in fMRI type of machine uh, to do an experiment. But I definitely feel that there is more readiness uh, for exploring and more flexibility in the mind of uh, super encounters. Yeah, which makes them, uh, in my mind, also more creative. Yeah, and what's the relationship between creativity and uh, and coincidence serendipity? Uh, I believe that these concepts uh, reinforce each other. Um, I'm not. Um, I believe that um, creativity is a, a learned uh, experience. So uh, it also relates a lot to making uh, quick and good connections. And uh, both uh, serendipity and coincidences uh, and information encountering are all about uh, being able to make these connections. Make quick and good connections. That's right. That's uh, 
one of the things I read about super encounterers, at least some of them think they have a special power. I, uh, that's again, something they would not publicly share. Uh, but uh, I uh, recently had a lecture, uh, actually a workshop on information encountering and one of the gifts for the super encounters uh, in the audience was a t-shirt that identify I'm a super encounter as a superpower. Ah. And this, I, I, there's a difference between a Batman kind of superpower and a Superman kind of superpower, uh, where Batman just used uh, regular human capacities to do something special, where Superman had strength and ability to fly, which most people don't have these days. Uh, do you see anything parapsychological in some of the super, in super encounters? I think that some of them believe it is uh, parapsychological, uh, but if we had more means of researching how our mind and how our brain works, I think that we would uh, discover it is basically some type of uh, uh, biological, biochemical explanation for this. So I think uh, we are deeply rooted in science and uh, uh, because we not always have ways of measuring and observing some of these more complex uh, behaviors, we tend to attach to them a paranormal type of uh, meaning. Yeah, when well, we can't do it. And I, I will attach a paranormal meaning to your finding your glasses. Because <laughs> uh, you're not going to come up with a brain-based way of doing it, I don't think. Um, or can you? I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I believe when you can't explain something, uh, calling it paranormal is completely fine. Well, I, I, there's research called psi-mediated instrumental responses, which means you can use parapsychological psi uh, means to get to the place you need to be without knowing how you got there. Mm -hmm. And that's what that's the way I think about what happened to you, especially with that timing. Uh, and I so often uh, I see timing like that. I experience timing like that where I get to the right place at the right time, just in time, uh, just in time. I mean, I'm right there. Uh, and you 15 seconds later, I've heard this enough. 15 seconds later, you would have missed him. And if you'd gotten there earlier, you might not have run into him because it was in the parking lot where your two paths crossed. That's a low probability event. And your son is the one who said, let's go back to this place. I'll definitely have him listen to these podcasts because he'll be happy about his role. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, it, you didn't do it because you were too caught up in your anxiety to be able to become, let me call it a super encounterer in, in your terms, in a more general sense. If you're too anxious, you're not going to look around. You're going to just be caught up in your own mind and you're not going to look where you need to look. And your son somehow got relaxed enough to say, let's go here. How did he pick that one spot? That's the psi part. That's the telepathic kind of, well, I call it clairvoyant kind of ability to know where he needs to go. And he doesn't know that he knows that. But then the timing the two of you use to get there becomes yet more difficult to explain. And yet this is paradigmatic of a lot of coincidences, getting to where you need to be in ju at just the right time. So that when I see patterns like that, I say, 
we got to look for an explanation. The brain is not going to be enough, I don't think. Uh, memory is very important. Your son may have seen you drop your glasses. That's always there. But even if he had to arrive right when you arrived, that's something that nobody could have planned. That's 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 true. That's why I love him a lot, and uh, I count on him supl supplementing my information encountering. That's that's another idea is having help with your soup with your information encountering. When I'm uh, in writing this this next book, I rely on stuff happening around me um, that to make it happen. I put together this show I mentioned at the beginning, and I had to rely on people coming to me as well as me going out. There's kind of a, a passivity that's active. So when you encounter information, it's still a form of searching, but it's not the, the yang kind of aggressive Western way of searching. It's a passive accepting or openness to letting it come to you. That's very nicely put. It's a yin-yang of uh, information behavior. Focus search and in information encountering. Yep. Yeah, yep. That yin and yang of information encountering. It's still, I mean, I mean, it's still a process which we all recognize, but it's come to, you understand, but coming to me rather and expecting it and being open. This word open is kind of a, a funny word, but. Uh, what that actually means, I think it literally means that you're not caught up in your own anxiety as you were, but your son was open to information that he got somehow. So I how old is your son? He's now 22. How old was he then? Was, uh, two years ago. Huh. Well, we're coming to the end of this of this program. We've had a delightful conversation with Sander Erdlitz about serendipity, and we came to the yin-yang and then you've been listening to Connecting with Coincidence. I'm your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, just like sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? 
The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. <laughs> 